Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church, and welcome everybody all over the world coming from SoundCloud and wherever you're coming from. Welcome all over the world. If you're podcasting me in today, thank you so much for joining Gospel Saving Church. We're here on August 10th, 2014, out of my home in McKinney, Texas. If anybody is around or you're listening locally, I'd love to have you. Come on in. You're welcome. Doors are open at 10 o'clock. Well, anyway, praise God. Thank you for joining us today, and thank everybody for coming here and being in my home and to worship the Lord today. That's why we're here, right? We're here to worship the Lord. So I'm going to pray, and we'll give the title, and uh, we'll get going and hear what God has to say to us today. Join me, if you would, please. Lord, thank you so much for this word that you've given me today. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for... All that support me, Lord, thank you so much for everything, Lord, all the good things. Your word says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, Lord, and I just thank you for every good and perfect gift that you give us, Lord God. I thank you when it's good, and I thank you when it's bad, because, Lord, I know that we can't just praise you when it's good. I have to praise you when it's bad, too. So, Lord, I praise you in and out of season when it's good and when it's bad. I thank you for your joy that you can that's there, it's available for us every day. Thank you for your love that you pour out upon me every day in our intimate times together, Lord. I just, just pray, Lord, that this service, you'd bless it, Lord, that you'd bless all the hearers. And I pray as always, Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, that we'd be doers of the word as well. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bless our ears, help us to hear your truths today, and I pray that they would sink down into our souls, Lord, and that my mouth, Lord, you'd bless my mouth, that the words that I speak would only be Holy Spirit-inspired, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would teach us today. I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you. And Lord, we love you as a church, and love you as your people all over the world, Lord. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17, we're going to be in verses 14 through 21. I'm going to read them. The title of today's service is, This Kind Does Not Come Out Except by Prayer and Fasting. So if you want to join me, Matthew 17, 14 through 21, I'm going to read them. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So as in a recap of last week, I just want to give praise and thanks to my God Almighty, to our God whom we serve because of the atonement that he's given for us. That God Almighty would make a way for us to have the forgiveness of our sins. Wow. David wasn't under the same atonement, same covenant that we are today, but David writes in Psalm 32, 1 and 2, about the amazing atonement that he had in his day. He says in Psalm 32, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. To sum it up, David was realizing how blessed people can be if they fall underneath God's atonement because he realized what a wonderful gift The forgiveness of his sins was. You see, your sin is what, like we talked about last week, our sin is what keeps us away from God. It's what keeps us separated from God. 
And when God made an atonement for us, like we talked about last week in the Old Testament and then Jesus Christ in the New Testament, he bridged the way for us, for us to come to him despite our sin. And David realized how blessed a man could be if he could have the forgiveness of his sins. If God would, be, would forgive him of his sins. What an amazing thing to be able to have a reunitedness with God through the forgiveness of our sins. Today, like we talked about last week, how much better is Jesus Christ than animals, sacrifices of animals that God gave in the Old Testament for people who only covered their sins? Now our sins, the Bible says, are as far as the east is from the west. God actually remembers your sin no more. Remember we talked about last week, the atonement, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ actually makes those who are under it perfect that come to God. So we can be perfect when we come before God, if we're underneath the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Double wow. I just wanted to recap last week's message with that because it was just such good news. Such good news that we can have the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ and that God paid that way for us to do that. And how blessed are we now? More blessed than David was in his day. How much more blessed are we today? that we could have that atoning sacrifice for our sins. Praise be to God. So, praise God, on to this week's message. If you guys remember correctly, because we kind of went off track last week, we kind of went to just to talk about the atonement, but normally I teach verse by verse, week by week. So if you remember our last scene, if you don't, I'm going to refresh your memory. Our scene from Matthew 17, 1 through 13, we had Jesus, Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, And Jesus was transfigured before their eyes, if you remember correctly. All of a sudden, they look up. He's transfigured before their eyes. Moses and Elijah are standing there with them. What a scene, right? Could you imagine standing there, seeing Jesus Christ transfigured before your eyes? He became like he would in the heavens. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there. And then all of a sudden, God, this powerful voice of God, speaks down his powerful voice from the cloud. What an amazing and powerful yet scary experience, as we already saw it was scary for them. What an amazing and powerful but scary experience. Unforgettable, really, for them. I bet you they never forgot it till the day that they died. After their exciting experiences, remember they're walking down the mountain with Jesus and they're asking him questions and he's teaching them about you know, about the things of the resurrection. He's teaching about why he, you know, Elijah had come already and so on and so forth. So this wonderful experience they had, you know, in Christendom, we have a saying, I was on the mountaintop with God. And what that means is, is I was praying or I was praising God. And all of a sudden I was just in this other frame of mind. I was just in, if I felt like I was in heaven with God. It happened to me the, the night I got saved about 14 years ago. I felt like I was in heaven with God. I had a time just like that the other day. I was listening to some old classic hymns and I was just listening there. I was sitting there listening and I was just, it was such a wonderful experience of praise unto the Lord. I actually felt like I was in God's throne room just sitting there with God. What a wonderful experience. <laughs> same thing happened to me as same thing happened to the disciples. As they're walking down this mountain with Jesus, Right when they get to the bottom of this mountain. Read verses 14 through 16 back in your text today, Matthew 17. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. I don't know if you just saw what happened there, but I did. They have this beautiful mountaintop experience with Jesus and they walk right back down the mountain in peace and love and joy into what? A terrible situation with the nine other disciples who could not cast the boy's demon, the the demon that controlled this boy out of this boy. Mark 9.14 is another account of this section of scripture and he also adds to this time that there were also scribes along there standing with them disputing with them as the nine disciples were standing there you know kind of i guess defending themselves or taking the beating from the multitude 
Serving God is a lot like this. Being a child of God is a lot like this, just like me yesterday. Having this beautiful time and wonderful time with God and, and just feeling like you're in heaven with God and all of a sudden it's just like you move, you, you're walking down the mountain and you know, you just, oh wow, what a beautiful time and then bam, evil. And that's exactly what happened to me yesterday. A whole bunch of problems happened right after I had this beautiful mountaintop experience with God yesterday. And that's exactly what we see happen here with the disciples, with the three that are with Jesus and Jesus himself. They're having this beautiful time and they walk down into just absolute misery. What kind of misery were they in? Not only were the scribes disputing with them, but just think about it. This poor father who's got this ailing son comes to the disciples expecting to have a healing. All of a sudden, they can't do it. When this dad, had, you know, he wouldn't have brought him if he didn't think that the disciples could have. Maybe he thought Jesus was going to be there. Maybe he didn't. It didn't matter, as you'll see later. But he thought, these guys can heal my son. So that's bad. In the midst of that, of course, what probably happened is, 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 is this deemed as boy is being brought, this multitude of people is forming around the disciples. So when you have a bad situation... Because, you know, they couldn't cast out this demon that was in this little boy. And then you have a multitude of people in this bad situation. A whole bunch of people that are standing there and then scribes disputing them as well too. Never make a situation better. That just It just increases the intensity of the, you know, of the terribleness of the situation. It'd have been bad enough if it would have just been the disciples, these nine disciples and the boy and his father, and then they couldn't do it and then they leave and then that was it. But to have a multitude there and to have the scribes disputing amongst them, and in case you didn't know, often the disciples would follow Jesus and his disciples around so they could what? They could see if they'd find them, find something wrong with them, find some fault, find some problem with their ministry. And so that's probably why the scribes were there is because they were looking for some fault. Well, then now all of a sudden the disciples can't cast out this little or this demon out of this little boy. Of course, they, they, they got an in. We got you. We found. See, you couldn't do it. Yeah, we're going to get you. So this is just an overall top to bottom, left to right, bad situation. And again, serving God is a lot like this. So. In the midst of this bad situation, this dad comes, make, kind of making a bad situation, comes in faith while Jesus and his other disciples are on the mountain. You know, Jesus and his big three. Dad asks them for help, these nine disciples, for help with his boy, who is, the Bible says here, verse 15, an epileptic. But in case you're wondering, the, my new King James Version says epileptic, but if you had a King James Version, it would have translated as lunatic. Or Strong's Concordance also says that the word can mean moonstruck. So this wasn't just an epileptic seizure that this boy was having. This boy was demon-possessed. It was not a sickness nor an illness. The, the reason my New King James, the reason the New King James Version uh, translators translated it the way they did was because the symptoms, sim, you know, the symptoms simulated what an epileptic went through. But Mark's gospel, again, is a parallel account to this. Mark 9, 17 confirms that this is indeed a spirit by the father's boy, the boy's father, excuse me, tells Jesus that the boy had a mute spirit. So this wasn't a sickness or wasn't an illness. This was a demon possession. So this dad comes to these disciples, these nine disciples for his demon-possessed boy, but unfortunately they are unable to help. Hence, as I mentioned earlier, why all the chaos had to happen. But in the midst of all this chaos, the possessed boy's dad sees the Savior coming. And look at his response in verses 15 and 16. He says, first of all, he comes, he says, or in 14, excuse me, man came to him kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. What do I see in this? What do I see in this? First of all, he approaches the Savior and says, Lord. Calls him Lord, Master. First of all, all right, before he calls him Lord, he 
kneels down before Jesus. And then what does he do? He starts telling him his woes. Well, this is a really good way, in case you're wondering, to come to Jesus. This is an amazing way to come to Jesus. It shows him that you're in need. It shows him humility. It shows him I'm taking away all my pride. When you come to God and you get on your knees and you call him by his name and then you start telling him all your problems, you, you show God that you're really, you know, that you're really sincere in the way you're coming. Or, oh, oh Lord, you know, this, that, and the other thing. On Jesus' name, you know, amen. But when you come and you kneel down and you call him by a reverent name and then you start telling him your problems, you show him you need him. You show him, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't handle this situation on my own. But Lord, Master, Savior, God Almighty, I need you. David in the Psalms speaks about how to come to God. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And if you put all this together, it's a beautiful picture of a humble soul coming before a mighty God, seeking help. The Bible calls Jesus... And back in Isaiah, the Bible says of Jesus that he is wonderful and that he is a, a counselor. So any problems you have, any woes you have, any hurts or pains that you have, and you can come to Jesus in the way that this man did and you kneel down before him and you call him by his name and, and then you start to ask him for some counsel and God has just got a smile and grin ear to ear. He loves that. But now unfortunately, verse 16, the dad tells Jesus, he tells him his woes. What does he tell them? That these disciples of yours weren't able to cast this demon out of my boy. But why? Why? Why couldn't they? Look at verse 17. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. He rebukes them. He tells them that they are faithless faithless and perverse. And you might be saying to yourself, wow, that's a pretty amazing rebuke from Jesus. You know, that doesn't seem very loving. You know, why such a harsh rebuke? Why did he have to come down so hard on these disciples here? Well, let's look at why. You see, in Matthew 10, 5 through 15, which is just about seven chapters ago, but that in the life of Jesus, that could have been just a few weeks to a couple months, so it's not too long ago. In Matthew 10, 5 through 15, Jesus sends out these same nine disciples, but he sends them out as, as a whole group, as all 12. You can read about it in Matthew 10, 5 through 15. And he goes and he sends them on a mission to go throughout all of Israel. What was part of their mission? Well, if you look in verses 7 and 8 in Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says, Jesus commands them. He says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He says, for freely you have received, freely give. And ironically, you know, when you put the gospels together, you know, you get a full picture of the life of Christ. Ironically, Matthew does not tell us the result of that of that little venture, but Luke chapter 9 verse 10 does. And listen to what it says. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him, Jesus, all that they had done. So these same nine disciples, just not even seven chapters ago, went on this great expedition for Jesus and did all the things that Jesus told them to do and came back with a great report. And the problem here is that, well, if they just did that seven chapters ago, not that long ago, they just did all the same miracles that this same boy's father asked them for right here. I mean, why? What's going on? It's easy to see why Jesus rebuked them the way that they did. You see, because since they had already done all those things, they knew exactly what they had to do now. They knew exactly how they had to cast this demon out. They knew exactly what they needed to do because they had already been there and done that. And the Bible says, and you know, take a listen, everybody, on this one, because this is a very powerful 
powerful thing that Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 12, 48. He says, to whom much is given, much is required. What does that mean? It means that as God has given you much, if you've already done much for God, if, if you already have a certain responsibility for God and you and he's already lifted you up to handle this responsibility, if you've been given this, then out of you will be required much. And since the disciples had already been given this task and they had already done it, they were more than capable, according to even Jesus Christ, to do this same thing that this boy's dad asked him to do here in Matthew chapter 17. So to whom much is given, much is required. Much was required out of them, yet they failed. They failed. Why? Because they had no faith this time. There is where we see the difference. They had no faith. God requires those that are his to have faith. I heard this not too long ago, and this is very powerful. One of the biggest sins that any of God's children can commit is doubt. Yes, doubt. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those that are God's, when we doubt, God has let us taste the goodness of his Holy Spirit. God has given us and seen, we've seen, I've seen, and if you're God, you've seen miracles. God's done miracles in front of your eyes. God's done amazing things in your life. You've seen powerful things that God has done for you and in your family and in your life and in your world. And then when we go and we doubt Something that we could do for God or doubt God or doubt the Holy Spirit or doubt something like these disciples did here. It's like a big slap in the face to God. That's the biggest sin that any child of God can make. And that's doubt or unbelief. Habakkuk 2.4. The Bible says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. That's what we see in the, pro- that's what we see in the proud person. But the just shall live by his faith. Did you hear that? The just shall live by his faith. And that's what God expects from his children. Romans 1.17, Paul reiterates this by saying, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live in trusting a life, a holy life sanctified life in trusting in God. And that's what God expects from us that are his. And these here, these nine disciples in this situation here, had no excuse not to have the faith it took to cast this demon out of this boy. So, verse 17, Jesus rebukes the disciples and commands the boy to be brought to him. And in verse 18, he gets the boy and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, anybody that's listening, if you're in America or, you know, if you've ever heard of like Marvel comics or things, there's an old saying in the Marvel comic world and it says, it goes like this, never fear, Superman is here. Well, I, God gave me a new one for this sermon. We see it in verse 18. Never fear, Jesus Christ is here. That parallels so well. Because when Jesus stepped into any situation that he stepped into, any, no matter what it was, no matter when it was, when it, whether it was bad or whether it was good, whether it was in season or out of season, Jesus Christ always just took care of whatever needed to happen. And what did he do? He made it happen. Praise be to Jesus. There was nothing that he couldn't do when he was alive in the flesh. And still to this day, as he remains and sits at the right hand of the Father, he still, there's nothing that he can't do. Praise be to him. Praise be to him. I just never fear Jesus Christ is here. And you know, you can live your lives by that too. You can never fear in your life if you're with Jesus. If, you, if you're with him, his word says it, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. 
So never fear. Jesus Christ is here can be a model of your life. I never have to be afraid for Jesus is always here with me and he can take care of any situation. I love that. I love that. God gave that to me and I love that. Verse 17, back to that. Jesus rebukes the disciples. Verse 18, he rebukes the demon and the child is cured. What do you think the disciples are standing there doing the whole time? The disciples are just standing there helplessly, helpless, looking on. They might be scratching their heads. Wow, man, what did, what, what's he doing that we couldn't do? What did we do wrong? He just took care of everything. We were just helpless. Oh, man, I could hear them standing off to the side in their minds. Man, what, what, what did we do wrong? We see this attitude in verse 19. Read it with me as they come to Jesus in private, of course, out of shame. They come to Jesus in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Wonder. Why? Oh, man, what happened? I characterize this one by another classic kind of in films. What happened? What happened, Jesus? What happened? What did we do wrong? I don't, we don't know. What, we did what we did before. Maybe they were saying, what, what happened? We came and we tried and it just didn't work. What happened? And Jesus tells them in verse 20, unfortunately, as he breaks it down to them hard. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Or the word there, better translated, would be little faith. It could be unbelief or little faith. See, again, God, Jesus tells them, it's because of your unbelief. You didn't believe that you could do it when you started to pray. We have to look at ourselves on this too, because what are we doing when we come to God and pray? In prayer, are we believing that when we come to God in our prayers, that God is able to handle our prayers, or are we just coming kind of as well? I should pray, and you know, I probably should, but yeah, I guess I have to. You know, it's what the Bible says to do. Or are we coming in our prayers to God, and are we living our lives by faith? knowing that God is able to do and fulfill our prayer requests. Unbelief is a killer. James 1, 5-8, not on prayer here, but let's listen to what James says in chapter 1, verse 5-8. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, this is upon wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. Even James says that on wisdom. And you know the things of the Spirit are very, very parallel. This would go across the board. We need to be asking God in faith. He says, for, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And if you ask with doubt, James says in verse 7 and 8, He says, for let that man not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when we come to God and we don't believe that God can do what we're asking him, we might as well just not come. But the Bible says, come boldly before the throne of God in Christ Jesus and ask. Ask God and have faith as you ask. In this same account, Jesus tells the boy's father in Mark 9.23, and he says to the boy's father, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. And the boy's father cries out in Mark, and he says, Oh, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And there is an element of that. But, God promises us here, Jesus promises us here, that by faith, and we'll read it next, we can move mountains. Read the second half of verse 20. He said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, mustard seed. Even if we come with faith the size of a mustard seed, 
Jesus said that we can move mountains. Now, side note, did Jesus, you think he really meant that we could literally pray and ask God to move a mountain and say, mountain, move here, move there? Well, I don't believe so, and why do I believe that? Well, we never read in a, a recording in the Word of God that Jesus ever prayed to God and moved a mountain from here to there. We do read Jesus cursed a fig tree one time in faith, and that fig tree wilted. But we need to be really careful about how we interpret this verse. He does tell us in Matthew 19, 26, as he told the disciples, speaking about salvation and how hard it was for a rich man to get saved. He says, with men, this is impossible. And you know, a lot of things with men are impossible. He says, but with God, all things are possible. And there's such, these are such powerful words of encouragement that we know that if we come to God in prayer and we come in faith, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of that one that comes in faith and comes by faith and comes without doubting in his heart the thing that he wishes or the thing, his prayer requests before God. But there's a warning here that although we see Jesus tells his disciples here, warning, you know, you didn't come in faith. This could have been done if you had just come to God in faith. There's a warning here. Please understand that these these verses right here and the ones that I've already read over have been throughout the ages abused by people and, taking, and taken sadly out of context. How? Well, I, you know, preachers and, and people of, 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 of God, they think, and they, and they come and they, they say, well, I believe. Well, I believe that I can have a nice fancy house. Lord, give me a nice big fancy house. Or they, they come and they, I believe, I believe I can have a nice big fancy car. Or I, or I believe, I believe I'm going to win the lottery and God's going to give me $10 million. I believe. Hallelujah. And there's whole churches built on this movement. We're all, because Jesus said it here. We're all, well, Jesus said anything is, you know, isn't impossible for God. And if I just come in faith and with faith, all things are possible with God and, and so on and so forth. And they take these scriptures here in Matthew 17 and, and others, and they take them completely out of biblical context. Is that what Jesus meant when he said that by faith, look, at, read it here again, because of your unbelief, verse 20, for, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That word nothing there, does he mean nothing as far as I can have any worldly possession I want if I just believe, if I just have faith? Is that what he's really talking about? Well, again, we already know that Jesus didn't move mountains. I believe that the heart behind what Jesus said there was that with faith, Things that seem impossible to do to you can be overcome. But I don't think that Jesus meant that I can just believe and have whatever I want. Whatever it is that I believe I can have, well, I believe it and I've got faith, so God's going to help me get it. And I don't believe that be to be the case. I see that this being a problem in our church today, and I saw it. We can see it in the book of James that it was a problem in his day. James, the epistle of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And he speaks about just this same thing in his day. And we can see the problem arising even after Christ died. James writes in his epistle, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. He says, look at this. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Well, in that, see, that section seems to represent the fact that, well, if I just have, I, if I just want, all I have to do is ask, right? But if you stop there, you're in danger. He says in verse 3, he goes on to say, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, people in James' day, they were asking amiss. They were asking for things for their flesh. They were asking for things to, to you know, bigger houses or nicer cars, nicer things, or transportations or whatever they thought that they needed. And James 
is commenting on it here, you're not getting it. You're not getting what you're asking for because guess what? You're asking amiss. You're asking it to spend it on your own pleasures. But what happened here? Jesus said, oh, but if I have faith, I can have whatever I want. With the one with faith, with the one that doesn't doubt, nothing will be impossible for him. Now, I can, I can have anything. I can do anything. But yet, they didn't have it in James's day because they asked amiss. They asked it to spend it on their own pleasures. You see, if we take the Bible out of context, that's a dangerous thing. If we take this one verse and we take it out of context, that's a dangerous thing. But if we look to other parts of the Bible and we look to other parts of Scripture, we can see the truth come forward clearly. Jesus makes this point that I'm describing here clear in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, where he says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And if he stopped there, then I would be standing up here lying to you and telling you that, you know what, you can ask for anything and God will just give it to you. But he goes on and says, I'll start again. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Notice the stipulation coming to God in faith. The stipulation that Jesus put there was that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if we're asking for big fancy houses and big fancy cars and all the things in this world that all would just make our lives that much better. Is God really glorified in that? Well, I know people that have asked for that stuff and they don't get it. Obviously not. Again, John speaks of this in his epistle in 1 John 5.14. Listen to what he says. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything... According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Notice John says that the stipulation on what we ask for has to be according to the will of God. And the will of God is found where? It's found in this book here. It's found in your Holy Bible. And in your Holy Bible, you will not find the disciples being wealthy. You will not find the disciples having no problems. You will not find in the Bible people just being overly healthy and wealthy and having no problems. In fact, the Bible is a recording of sinful and flawed man having all kinds of problems all kinds of illnesses, all kinds of poverty, all kinds of hardships. And yet, people today believe, if I just ask, because Jesus said, whatever you ask in faith, if you just have faith, then God will give it to you. And yet we look to the other parts of the Bible and find that the true contextual meaning of the Bible would be if it was according to the will of God. Of God. So just keep that in mind because there's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of preachers today saying if you just believe, if you just have faith, you can have it. Because Jesus said right here, and if you just have faith, you can move mountains and, and nothing will be impossible for you. Well, you can bring up these scriptures and go to John 14 and go to 1 John 5 14, and, and you can see that it's got to be according to God's will. And nowhere in the Bible does God say his will is for us and everybody that follows him to just be wealthy and and all have a great life and have no problems. You just won't find that. So back to belief, verse 20, with the mountain. Yet all things are possible to those that are believed. This would say, I would re-say this with other scriptures to say, all things are possible to those that believe that are in God's will or that that want God's will and that want God to be glorified in what you're asking for in the Son. Jesus never moved a literal mountain in his ministry, but if he could have glorified God in doing it, you better believe that he would have moved a mountain and he would have done it, absolutely. So, 
I'll move on from my tangent. Let's finish up our scripture today with verse 21. The disciples come back to Jesus and they ask him why they couldn't cast out the demon. He tells them because it was because of their lack of faith. There again, casting out a demon is God's will. God wants to cast out demons. God doesn't want people to be demon-possessed. And so, therefore, one of God's wills, we could say, was for us to have the power to cast out demons. And he tells them it was because of their lack of faith that they couldn't do it. But there was actually another factor as to why they couldn't cast out this demon. Let's read verse 21. He says, However, faith's not enough on this one, you can add. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So wait a minute. Having the faith to cast out a demon was not quite enough? What? Isn't that what Jesus just said? That if you had faith, nothing would be impossible to you? Is this a contradiction? Wait a minute here. But yet there needed to be more faith in this case? wasn't enough notice he didn't say they didn't have to have faith because still the scripture holds true he still rebuked them because they needed to have faith but yet he says there was one more thing that you needed to add there was a couple more i should say a couple more things that you needed to add this is a biblical spiritual principle of a total of faith just a belief just a trust not being enough listen to what james says again 214 What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So James agrees with Jesus here. Faith isn't always enough if it doesn't have works. James 2.20, he says again, faith without works is dead. I'm going to give you a little example of faith without works being dead. Let's say you're out of work. Let's say, you, you know, your, your, your job just got, you know, fired you, you know, they laid you off, and now you're at home, woe is me, oh no, what am I going to do? So you thought, wait, that preacher said, if I just prayed, I could have whatever I wanted, because, you know, in, if I just have faith, I can move mountains, I can, I can pray to God, and he'll just make it happen. So Lord, you know, Give me that job. I need that next job that I need. But then he just sits there. He just turns on the TV and kicks back and grabs himself a Coca-Cola and and moves on with his life and just prays every day. Lord, I need that job. Well, what do you think is going to happen? As a whole, this man will be homeless pretty soon. Because guess what? If you need a job, yes, you're supposed to ask God for a job. But then does the Bible say anywhere? Does God say anywhere? Oh, you could just sit down there and make confessions of faith and just say, Oh, Lord, I I know you're going to get me this job because I prayed and I asked, and Lord, you're going to get me that job. Absolutely not. Faith in getting a job and asking God for a job, but then going out and applying for jobs would be faith plus works. And that... Known it over and over and over and over and over again. That gets people jobs. Someone wanting a wife, husband, or someone building a business. You can sit on your couch all day long. Oh, Lord. Woo! Praise be to God. You're good. I want this business, Lord. Build me this business, Lord. Please, I, I'm professing it and calling on the name of Jesus. Lord, build me this business. Praise be to God. But then they just sit there and they don't make any phone calls. And they don't go out and try to drum up business. Or they don't go out and, you know, try to ask friends if they have any girlfriends that they, you know, or guys going to have any girlfriends or so on and so forth, whichever. Hey, you know, I'd like to get married. I'd like to settle down. You don't know anybody. And then take active steps to go out there and let God guide your steps to a woman or a man if you're wanting a husband or wanting a wife or if you're wanting to settle down or if you're wanting to build a business. It's foolishness without doing that. I can sit there all day long and ask, but we already know the Bible says faith without works is dead. So here, Jesus said, your faith wasn't quite enough. Have faith, yes. For with faith, nothing will be impossible. But your faith here in this case needed to have some prayer and some fasting added with it. You can have faith slash belief that these things will happen. But if you don't take some action in your life, and put effort into what you need, then your faith without your working towards this goal 
is dead, same as the disciples here we just read. The disciples were always to have faith that when they cast a demon out of someone, that it was going to come out. And the faith that I kind of read that Jesus wants us to have here is kind of like this. You've got a master. You've got a man or a woman. You have a master over an animal. And you're training that animal. Do this. And you're training him day after day after day after day after day. And you get him to the point where you say, Rover, sit. Rover, lay down. Rover, let's do this. Rover, let's do that. And that dog jumps up. You don't even have a doubt in your mind. You've commanded him. You've trained him. Rover, sit. And boom, he sits. And you have that faith that when you say, Rover, sit, that dog's going to sit. He wants his disciples and us today, we'll talk about that in a little bit. He wants us today to command, or the disciples, I should say then, he wanted them to have this kind of faith with this demon and this boy. Demon, be gone and get out of this child right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to to, to leave right now. That's the kind of faith that they were supposed to have. Like a, like a man with a dog, rover, sit, boom, he sits. Command that demon, as powerful as that right there. But, he says, but, if that doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen right then and there, then Jesus is telling them right now, you need to put some more action to your faith, and you need to go, and you need to fast, and you need to pray, and then it will come out. I will also point out that the whole time they were fasting, they will be praying in faith that God would remove this demon. They're not going to be fasting and praying for a demon to come out and going, oh, maybe it's going to come out, Lord. Oh, maybe that demon might, might just come out of that boy. No. As they're fasting and as they're praying, they should be having faith, powerful faith that God would remove that demon out of that boy. And this is the kind of faith, this is the kind of attitude that Jesus wants, wanted his disciples to have, and this is why he rebuked them. And, but they learn a new spiritual angle in this scripture here. They learn that faith is not quite always enough, that we need to put action with our faith. So I think, pretty awesome text today. Even more exciting for Christians that are listening than non-Christians in this message because John 14, 12 says this about us today. Listen to this. I say to you, Jesus says, he who believes, and who's he? That would be any he, any her as well. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So what does that mean for us today as a Christian, as a follower of Christ? That means that the scripture today also applies to us. That the works that we saw Jesus do here in this section, we can do those and greater works even than these. What do we need? We need faith the size of a mustard seed and make sure that our faith has action. That's what we need to do. And that's exciting to me because you know what? There's still demons in people today. There's still people that need demons cast out of them today. Just because we read about this in the Bible, there are absolutely still people that have these same symptoms of epilepsy. Am I saying that epilepsy in itself is a demon in every single person that it's in? No, you have, well, you have amazing, dedicated Christians that love Jesus Christ that have signs of epilepsy. Am I saying that? No. But there are people that have demons in them today. We need to be spiritually discerned. And we need to, as Jesus said in John 14, If we're believing in him and if we're following him, we can do the same things that Jesus did in his day. And we can do them now. Please stay away from I can believe and I can have whatever I want. And of course, those whatevers are purely to pleasure your fleshly desires. And I want to end with that. Just be careful. Don't just be sitting out there thinking, well, you know, because the Bible says I can believe I want to have. Just be Be warned again, Christian. Don't just think I can just sit there in my couch and make faith confessions and do whatever I want and then God will just do it for me because, hey, I can do all things if I have faith. Jesus said it. Just just be warned. That's a dangerous doctrine that's floating around today. But know, Christian, that you 
can do all things in Christ and put your faith to action and let it even be a mustard seed and, and go forth in the Lord and, and whatever you see, just have faith and walk in the Lord and do it. And now if you're not walking with God and you're not a Christian, then I would ask you today to look at how exciting the life of a disciple is. You're going to have problems no matter what. Everybody's going to have problems. But notice what I mentioned earlier about how you know the little boy's father came to Jesus and he called him Lord and he kneeled down and he gave him all he he gave him all his woes and gave him all his problems and and Jesus took care of those problems. Well, that still stands for us today too. If you're not with the Lord, if you're not walking with Christ, if you're not saved, and if you come to Jesus right now, He can be you be there for you just like He was this little boy's dad how he helped this little boy's dad out of all his problems here. And that's still Jesus of today. Jesus still does that for people today. He still does that for me today. Every time I come to him, every time I come to him with a woe, every time I come to him with a problem, he is so faithful and he helps me through that problem every single time. Maybe not right away, but he absolutely does help me through that problem every single time. And the sacrifice that God gave for your sins to bring you to Him, nobody will ever make that kind of sacrifice for you in this life. So think about these things. If you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not following Christ, I encourage you. He's a mighty, awesome God, and He's full of love and compassion. So come to Him if you don't know Him now. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for Your Word today. Thank you so much for Your love. Thank you so much for Your grace. Thank you so much for the the things that you did, Lord, that I know as a follower of yours, I can do those same things. Lord, I can have boldness in faith and and come to you at any time and and have faith and ask and trust in you, Lord, and I know that you'll be there for me. Lord, your word says you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. Thank you so much, Lord God, for all those that are listening that are yours. I just pray, Lord God, that they would stay away from the dangerous doctrine of I believe, so therefore I can have whatever it may be, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you would help them to understand the biblical context of that, what you meant here, Jesus, when you said this here in Matthew 17. That, of course, you did not mean, as long as I believe, I can have whatever I want. Lord, if, if I believe and have faith in the, in the things that are of your will, then, Lord, I can have. And, Lord, I pray we would be diligent to seek those things that are your will, Lord, so that we can... Only be praying the things that are your will, Lord. Because when we pray for things that we just want or we just have to have or whatever, Lord, those are selfish. And, Lord, and we shouldn't receive them anyway because, Lord, in you we're not supposed to be selfish. We're supposed to be humble like you were humble. And we're supposed to be loving like you were loving and, 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 and self-sacrificial like you were self-sacrificial, Lord. And I just pray that, Lord, for everybody that's listening today, Lord, that's yours. I just pray that we would we would just mirror your life and mirror the things that you did and be bold like you and have faith like you, Lord. Help us and strengthen us and build us up all like that. And for those that are out there that are not yours, Lord, I just pray that you would draw them to you. Show them, Lord, just how you're always, how you can always be there for them. You're there for them right now if they were to call on you right now. I just pray that they would turn to you right now and let you be their counselor and let you be their friend. God, I love you. We love you, Lord. As a church, Lord, we love you as all your people all over the world. And I just ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In faith. Amen.